Well, you certainly know how to compliment a woman. Well, if you'll excuse me. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. is Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. For me, the most important thing when hiring anybody is to make sure that they are actually right for our business and that they would fit within the culture that we have, um, which is very much about being um, in line with our values, which we call EPIC. So that's about being entrepreneurial, personable, intelligent and collaborative. And also... It's interesting that now, as we've helped educate partners and clients over the years, organisations are realising that sustainability is now on the agenda to stay. All of this, plus business advice from real estate mover and shaker Lauren Moore, a book of the week recommendation from Richard Blanford, founder and chief executive of cloud and IT infrastructure company Fordway, and music from Dirty Snowman Society. Call your friends and spread the word. Tell them that Kids' Friday Game Changer show is the very best you've ever heard. Number one means you're always on top. You're on the number one. My name is Lauren Moore, founder of Lauren Moore Property. I launched my buyer's agency in March 2018 after working in the real estate industry for almost two decades. Even though it made sense for me to return to real estate sales, I decided to flip the switch and work for the buyers. For too long, buyers had been missing out on having someone fight for them in the real estate transaction. And despite buyer's agents being quite a new service in Queensland, I saw a gap in the market for a strong industry leader and I decided to go for it. You can't be afraid to ruffle a few feathers and I decided to do this by swapping sellers for buyers with the intent of creating a more level playing field in Brisbane's inner city real estate market. What I think really helped me is that I found a gap in the market where there was a huge need. Basic supply and demand had been driving Brisbane's inner city market for so long due to interstate and international migration. When speaking with local families, I noticed a huge frustration in the inner city market. There was limited stock and high buyer demand, so buyers had little control or support. If you are looking to start a business, whether it be in property or any other industry, look for a gap, a frustration people may be having, and come up with the solution. One of the things that helped me was working out what my point of difference was going to be. How was I going to be different in the market from the other buyer's agents? And where did I want my business to sit? I decided I was going to be a prestige buyer's agent and that I was going to focus on off-market property. I was very clear in my message of where I wanted my brand to sit. I developed a long stock list of off-market properties where vendors came directly to me and bypassed the agents. A lot of vendors do not necessarily want to go to market for varying reasons, such as divorce, insolvency, privacy, and so on. And the off-market space is giving people options to the traditional real estate process. Some sellers aren't in a hurry to sell as they may be considering downsizing, but still have older kids at home, etc., and would sell if they got the right price. I also decided to work in vendor advocacy so that I could help the homeowner decide on the right real estate agent to use, which meant I was the first point of call. So my clients got first access to the houses. Brisbane is such a competitive real estate market on the sales side, and there are some exceptional sales agents running incredible businesses and constantly raising the bar. My opportunity was to be just as good as them, but on the buyer's agent side. I knew no one had the same industry experience that I did, so I found my niche where there wasn't a huge amount of competition. Since launching my business in 2018, I've experienced solid growth. My business has almost doubled year on year, 
it's taken off and it actually wasn't something I expected or forecasted. I was lucky enough to be inundated with clients wanting to utilize my service from the first month and I think that was because I spent a lot of time working on my point of difference. What I was launching was new to a lot of people in my marketplace. At the beginning of 2020, I decided to bring on Gillian Breen to work alongside me as buyer's agent. I was so busy I was having to refer my excess clients that I wasn't able to service to other buyer's agents and I realised it just didn't make sense to be growing somebody else's brand. My biggest frustration since launching my business is all the inexperienced buyer's agents that are entering the market. If a buyer's agent has not worked on the sales side of the industry for at least a few years, I don't believe they would have the knowledge required to represent a buyer correctly. So when hiring Jill, it was hugely important to me to hire somebody who knew what she was doing. Jill was in the field selling, she understood the process, all the tricks of the trade, and she was an expert in her market. You can't be great at what you do in any field if you aren't an expert in your market. I was lucky I had a small background in recruitment when working for Ray White Head Office in Queensland and knew exactly what I was looking for. Jill had to match my brand and she had to want to achieve what I wanted to achieve. Otherwise, it wasn't going to work. I've had opportunities to bring on other staff members, but I won't until they are the right fit for my company. There is no point growing your brand with people who don't want the same thing as you. Of course, with any new business, there has been a huge learning curve and a lot of things I wish I had have done differently. My advice to anyone starting a new business is to plan and forecast. I genuinely didn't expect the growth that I've had and I wasn't prepared for it. Anyone who has worked in property understands that you need to live and breathe the industry to be successful. And that has come at a small cost to my family, but I do prioritize what's important. I work six days a week and a lot of nights. So I try to be there for my kids on the big things like school excursions or sporting carnivals. And I schedule to help out in the classroom when I can. These are the big things that they remember, but the rest of the time I work. Time management and organization is so important. I'm in and out of houses all day. I'm on the phone constantly and I service multiple clients. I get told about hundreds of houses every week. So having systems in place is the only way I can remember where I'm at. My motto for business is creating clients for life. So at the forefront of everything I do is customer service. This is not always easy as by the time a client gets to me, they have usually been in the market for a very long time and are severely frustrated by their experiences and unable to find what they want. I have to pull a rabbit out of a hat. And to do that, I need my clients to trust that I know what I'm doing and that I'm an expert in my field. And the only way to do that is by incredible customer service. I want them to tell all their friends, colleagues and neighbors about me. And that is single-handedly how I've grown so quickly that and social media. When I started, I did so on a limited budget. I created my own website on Wix, I launched on my social media, and then I continued to post all the time. Finding content has always been tricky because a lot of properties I show are off market and confidential. So I needed to work out a way to post relevant content. I asked a few of the agents I knew if I could share some of their listings and in return, that created a following of local agents. This allowed me to use my social media also as a bit of a launch pad when I was looking for properties. And before I knew it, I'd post a buyer brief and all of a sudden I'd have five calls from agents with off-market options for my clients. This meant I saved a lot of time and didn't have to call 20 or more agents. I didn't spend any money on advertising for the first year of my business. People make a lot of excuses as to why they can't do something, but my advice is just start. Take that leap of faith, find your passion, I personally absolutely love property and just go for it. I'd like to say a big hello to Gillian Breen and Emmy McAllister and all the other incredible women I work with. Hi, this is Ray Zen. Hi, I'm Jamie Martin from Ideal Shopping Direct. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In. Hi, my name is Eirik Aide Patterson. I'm a co-founder of Seaborg Technologies. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life. Hey everybody, I'm David Frangioni, CEO and co-founder of All Access IDA, Inspire and Develop Artists, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Check it out. 
Welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host Kizzy Nkwacha, the show for innovators and motivators, people just like you. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine and the property investor, editor of the successful Women in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Listen, learn, and innovate. Now meet your host, your mentor, and your fellow game changer, Kizzy Nkwacha. Hello and welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. This week I'm joined by Sam Rowe, CEO of Ignition, the world-class exhibition events and experiences company. Now Ignition is a pretty outstanding organization because it's founded on an ethos that's, well, it's really quite unique. Their ethos is people, planet and then profit. With a positive difference mission, Sam's built a company offering a positive experience for staff, partners and clients, as well as encouraging others in their industry to develop more sustainable practices. In just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Sam Rowe to uncover her secret formula for success. It's Friday, I'm Kizzy, and this is Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. I'm Brian Stolley, founding partner of Wildcat Venture Partners. Hey, Tanja Lee here, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. I'm a leadership and mindset specialist for real estate and property professionals. Hi, I'm Jonathan from Amplify. Hi, I'm Johnny Combe, CEO of 8x4 UK. I'm Kenneth Hafiano, the founder of Jogwefa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta Region, Ghana. My Friday is never the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Welcome to the show. This week, I have the honor and privilege to talk to Sam Rowe, CEO of Ignition and one of Business Game Changer Magazine's top 10 UK women in business. Sam, it's amazing to have you join me. Hi, Kizzy. Nice to meet you. Sam, let's start at the very beginning. You began your career in the corporate sector, working for uh, working in business strategy and marketing for BAE Systems, a major aerospace and defense company. What made you decide to leave and start your own business? Well, actually, I had a fantastic time at BAE. Um, but during my time there, I decided to take a sabbatical of a couple of years and travel. Um, and whilst I was doing that, I came back and decided, actually, I'd like to work on the agency side. So whilst at BAE, I got my first experience of events and exhibitions. Um, and I worked with some great partners. And I decided that I actually wanted to go and work with one of them. So um, I left BAE and went to a creative agency that specialised in exhibitions. And during my time there, I met Claire Menzies, who's our CEO, and um, she was going through a partial business sale agreement um, with that agency and basically asked me if I wanted to go with her. So we left um, in December 2006, and then we set up Ignition in January 2007. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> it must have been quite a, 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 a traumatic and, I don't know, I, I guess it must have been a huge shift moving from uh, a paid employment to actually starting your own business. What were the early challenges you faced getting Ignition off the ground, and how did you overcome them? Well, we were really fortunate to be able to start the business with one of our clients already already on board with us. So that meant that we had a very small team of people that already had a number of projects to work on. Um, we didn't have any offices, so um, we were fortunate enough to borrow an aircraft hangar from a good friend. Um, and we worked out of there. Uh, we had a dial-up internet connection, terrible uh, phone signal. You'd have to stand in the middle of a field to get signal. Um, but nevertheless, we learned from that experience that actually, if we really put our minds to it, we could achieve anything. So the, the major challenges were more not so much about growing the business because we had a great contract that we knew that if we worked really hard, we could make that hugely successful, which we have done. And that client is still one of our clients now, um, almost 14 years on. Um, it was more around the practicalities of, uh, you know, making sure we had a good space that we could operate in. So within six months of uh, using the aircraft hangar, we then got a um, unit in Paintworks in Bristol. Um, and we've moved on from there, just um, sort of getting more units as we've increased in terms of number of staff. And tell me about uh, increasing staff. 
What's your recruitment policy? Do you hire people according to their skills or do you hire according to their attitude? So for me, the most important thing when hiring anybody is to make sure that they are actually right for our business and that they would fit within the culture that we have, um, which is very much about being um, in line with our values, which we call EPIC. So that's about being entre- entrepreneurial, personable, intelligent, and collaborative. So we always make sure that people that are going to join us um, are in line with those values and that they really fit. For me, skill set is really important. And of course, we would always love people to come to us with lots of experience and show us what value they can add to the business. But I'm also a great believer that if you have the right values, you can teach the skills. Yeah, I agree completely. I remember a couple of years ago, many, many years ago, I was being interviewed for a job at, I think it might have been uh, either Informa or EMI, one of the large publishing companies. And the managing director, wonderful guy, um, who's a really good friend of mine now, said to me at the time that they, according to their company, they thought that their, the company's highest or most important asset was its people. What did I think? And I said to him, I don't agree. And uh, Sam, you know when you say something and the room goes really quiet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Uh, he said, I said, I don't agree. He looked at me and he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I don't think your most important asset are your people. I think your most important asset are the right people. And I think if you've got the right people, you can achieve pretty much anything you want to do. Absolutely. I mean, it's certainly the focus of our business has always been our people. Uh, We really care about our people. We make sure we can create an environment where they enjoy coming to work, that they're part of a team, and they know that when they join us, they can stay with us for as long as they choose. So we like to make sure we create a home where people can learn and develop and achieve all of their goals. So we have become very known, and I, I know this from recent interviews we've carried out, but we've become known in the industry for a business where you can join and you can take on a role, but you can really achieve anything. So as long as you're delivering the role that's asked of you, if you have other interests or other aspirations, you can certainly work towards those in our business. Um, we want to retain our talent. For me, you invest so much money in and time in people that we want to keep the good people with us long term. And we do have a very low uh, turnover rate of staff and we've got people that have been with us since day one. Wow, that's amazing. And I know that your company is also dedicated to um, innovation, entrepreneurship and the local economy. As part of this ethos, you support promising small businesses with your incubator hub program. What is the incubator hub and why is it needed? Yes, that's right. So our incubator hub, which we set up a number of years ago, um, was born out of our sort of desire to support other businesses. So it was thinking about when we set up Ignition and all the things that we had to go to, through and what we'd learned, how could we then pass all that knowledge on to other businesses and help those people out there, those bright young things who want to do something amazing and have got an incredible skill set, but they don't necessarily have business experience to set up their business in the right way. So we felt that was our bit of sort of giving something back um, and just supporting others and seeing what amazing things people could achieve. So we have a couple of businesses that sit in our incubator hub at the moment and we support them. Um, In particular, our senior team support them with the years of experience that they have got, whether that's in finance or in business management or strategy or creative thinking, just to make sure that those people have access to all the right knowledge that will put them on the, the perfect path for success. Can you imagine how much easier life would have been for you when you started in this airplane hangar many, many years ago? If somebody had had um, the incubator hub available to you, at that time? Yeah, sure. I mean, it would definitely have helped. I mean, I feel we were very fortunate to find over time some really good partners that helped us in the early years, whether that was in HR or in logistics or people that we could just go to, our finance people, our lawyers that we got to know over the years. They became so valuable to us as a business and we all learned so much from them. So that was great. But the Incubator Hub just gives you, I mean, 
our people in our incubator hub currently have access to everybody in our group of businesses. So they could speak to anyone they want. So they might have an idea. They might not know who to ask, but there will be always someone in the company that they could just have a chat with. So for me, it feels like a great big blanket that's wrapped around these people to say, hey, whatever comes up, you can call any one of us and we'll point you in the right direction of who to speak to if we don't know the answer. It sounds like you've created a a silo-free environment there. Yeah, absolutely. We are not siloed. That's one thing. We are uh, a very open business. So whilst, of course, well, we do have a hierarchy. Most businesses do. And I certainly believe a little bit in that, that you have to have people that will make ultimate decisions in a business. But we are also very open and very flat. So anybody can talk to anybody in our business. And I mean, at the moment, the situation we're in, we run live events all over the world. And we are all very used to traveling. We're very sociable people. And at the moment, we are all working from home. And we're all quite remote. And we aren't able to do what we normally do. So that means that there are a lot of people that just want to have a chat. So at the moment, I do a lot of time on the phone, just talking to our team, just checking in with them, making sure that they're feeling good about things and just some small questions that they just want to get some reassurance on for what we're doing as a business and what's going to happen to the future of events. Sometimes people just need to release that and have a chat. Um, And that's what we're about as a business is you can talk to anyone, you can come to anyone with any problems, and we know that there's always a way to fix things. As you're speaking, I've had a note given to me. I'm just trying to read it. It's some really bad handwriting. It says that sustainability is at the heart. They've actually drawn a heart here. Is at the heart Mm -hmm. of everything Ignition does. Now, your company aims to reduce carbon emissions by 10% annually, until you're completely carbon negative. Why is sustainability so important to you? So when we set up Ignition, sustainability was going to be at the core of what we intended to do with the company. So both Claire and I came from other businesses where sustainability wasn't even on the agenda. Now, if you know anything about the live events and exhibitions world, you'll know that people are building huge exhibitions all over the world on a daily basis. And, you know, many years ago, you could go to an exhibit and then at the end of the show, you would see the whole hall filled with the kit that had just been taken down. So all the wood, the MDF, all the graphics, everything. And then it was just thrown in a skip. And for both Claire and I, that was horrific. And we did not want to be a business that did that. So we could see the opportunity for everybody in becoming sustainable as a company. So making sure when we design and build an exhibition, it is always able to be repurposed, reused in whatever shape and format. So our clients will have made, you know, some have 20 shows a year, some have hundreds of shows a year, but they will reuse the same kit over and over and over again. So that means that they are reducing carbon emissions themselves, their carbon footprint, because they're not, they don't keep producing something over time, which is a complete waste and just goes in a bin and never gets reused again. Um, it also saves them money in the long term because they invest in a kit and it gets reused. And yes, now and again, it has to be refurbished. But the overall savings that you make by having your own kit rather than renting something or building something new time and time again is quite huge. Um, and also sustainability for us is not just about being eco-friendly. It's about being sustainable as a business. So it is about people and it's about planet and it's about profit. So every business has to make money and we are a very sustainable business. And at the moment, given where we are with COVID, that is becoming very apparent um, as we sadly see some of our um, partners and suppliers sort of falling by the wayside in such terrible times we set ourselves up to be sustainable and to be able to cope with going through more challenging times. So that's financially with people um, and with our with the planet in mind as well. And yours, your company, Ignition, was the first in this industry to achieve ISO 20121. That sounds like a huge achievement. Yeah, so ISO 2012-1 came out of the London Olympics, so which was supposed to be the first zero-to-landfill um, Olympics. And that standard was produced, and within a year or so of it being issued, uh, we went through the process to make sure that we got that. So that allows us to really shout about what we do and gives us that proof to any clients that want to work with us, clients that want to be more sustainable. They know that every event we run 
is subject to huge um, and stringent sustainability measures. So we're trying to reuse everything where possible. We don't send stuff to landfill. We make sure we're using uh, eco-friendly materials wherever possible um, and reducing carbon footprint all over the world. Uh, so sustainability is absolutely um at the core of what we do and having that as a standard and also we've won numerous awards for sustainability now as well so that is something that in the last couple of years whilst we feel we were sustainable and we set out to be sustainable from day one it's interesting that now as we've helped educate partners and clients over the years organizations are realizing that sustainability is now on the agenda to stay so again, with the current climate at the moment, is people are pausing and thinking about what they want to do. And being more sustainable is going to help them in the long run, not only about sort of their corporate social responsibility, but also financially. As you're talking, I can feel the passion you're animating from, 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 from your office. It's amazing. Um, Sam, you, you sound as though you're on a social mission and it's not just about making money. No, it's not. I mean, I... I love what I do. I love our company. Um, and for me, the people are the key thing to that. So we want to make sure people feel valued when they come to work, that our clients love working with us, that they will go and, you know, um, give us good feedback and talk very positively about us to other people. And that can't just be about making money. We want to show people how we as an organization and a bunch of people show really good value and that we provide our clients with insight and we help them do a better job and make them look good as well. Of course, we've got to make money. We've got to. That, that's it. But that's not what it's all about for us. I know in my introduction, I mentioned Ignition's uh, rather unique ethos of uh, people, planet, and then profit. Now, at Ignition, what are you doing to promote a positive mental and physical health in the workplace? So, as I said, we really care about our team and we want to make sure that they enjoy coming to work. So we run a number of programs. Um, as I said, we have a very open door policy so people can come and talk to us as and when they want to. Um, we run every Friday and we're still doing it now. Whilst we're all remote, we're doing it virtually. But we have a company boot camp that everybody can go to and it's tailored whether you want to do some Pilates or where you want to go and do a 10K run. You can do whatever you want or gear up to anything you want to during that boot camp. Um, we try to do as much social stuff as, as we can to just get people, um, you know, when new people join us, we want to sort of bring them in and make sure that they feel part of the team and that they have access to whatever they need. So it's really about um, being focused on people's well-being and just making sure that people feel that they can speak up in the organization and anybody who has an idea can come to us. We are open to change. We are constantly evolving as a business and we know that the best people to help us do that are the team that we have. A very admirable philosophy and one that we should all try to emulate. I think we can all relate to that, Sam, but hold that thought. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back to our conversation in a few minutes. This week's boss star is Dirty Snowman Society. God, I hope I got that right. Dirty Snowman Society, which I'm told is a rock band based in Copper Mountain, Colorado. Now, this, this four-piece band consists of... Uh, who we've got? We've got Frank Constantini on vocals, drums and percussion, uh, Johnny Law on lead guitar, Patrick Lifante on bass, and Chris Todorov on guitars and percussion. Now, Dirty Snowman Society came together from a very diverse background. I mean, these guys have worked in uh, as, as TV directors. They've been best-selling authors, a touring metal band member. I'm not sure what that is, but a touring metal band member, a ski and surf instructor, They've done it all. But the one thing that holds them together is their love for classic hard rock. That's what inspired them to become musicians. And that's what inspired them to produce music like this. This track is called Mad Bull. Take it away, guys.
in touch with Kizzy's Friday Game Changers by emailing FridayGameChangers at email.com and follow us on Twitter by searching for Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. I'm Brian Stolley, founding partner of Wildcat Venture Partners. Hey, Tanja Lee here, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. I'm a leadership and mindset specialist for real estate and property professionals. Hi, I'm Jonathan from Amplify. Hi, I'm Johnny Cohn, CEO of Pay by Phone UK. I'm Kenneth Afiano, the founder of Jobwefa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta Region, Ghana. My Friday is never the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. On your friendly news. Love this game-changing interview? Share your thoughts by posting a comment. Sharing is caring. Kizzy's Friday Game Changer Book of the Week. Hi, Richard Blanford, uh, Chief Executive and Founder of Fordway. Uh, we're an um, IT services and cloud computing specialist uh, based in Godalming in Surrey. We've been around 28 years and uh, currently 10 million revenue and 70 staff. The book I'd like to recommend is called Traction by Gino Wickman. The reason for the recommendation is that um, it's a very, very good guide for anybody running or managing a medium or small to medium sized business which provides both the framework and a set of extremely useful tools to help you run your business better. The basic principles that Gino espouses, I believe, came from him, I believe, devouring pretty much every piece of management literature, probably from the late 90s or mid to late 90s and the early noughties. Um, And what he then did is he then condensed this into a process which he calls EOS or the Entrepreneurial Operating System which provides a good template and uh, processes to run your business more effectively which covers the main disciplines. Um, I read the book um, immediately uh, was impressed enough to then go out and find uh, what's called an EOS implementer to help us put this process into our business And I'm very glad to say that two and a half years after starting the process, um, it's really helped us with a lot of the day-to-day management running of the business and significantly improved our business performance. So if you are looking for a better way to run your business and not happy with how it's going at the moment, please, Traction by Gino Wickman, read a copy and delighted to help anybody who would like any help on how you take it forwards and what it can do for your business. Welcome back. Before the break, you're listening to Dirty Snowman Society. I love saying that. Dirty Snowman Society performing Mad Bull. And I'm in the studio talking to Sam Rowe, CEO of Ignition. Sam, tell me about this award that you guys won a couple of months ago. The Queen's Award for what? Yes, so we were really proud to win the Queen's Award for Enterprise in Sustainable Development. So we're uh, one of only 19 companies in the UK that won in that specific category for sustainability. So really, that was the epitome of our journey on becoming sustainable and making our clients far more sustainable. So it was absolutely the icing on the cake for us. And we are have an invitation to Buckingham Palace at some point. Wait, are you going to get to meet the Queen as well? Well, I'm not sure if it's the Queen or maybe Prince Charles because he's so um, 
into this whole sustainability side of things. So maybe it's him. We don't know yet. It would have been this summer, but sadly it's postponed until another time. If you meet Prince Charles, are you going to courtesy? <laughs> I guess I have to. Get practising. You better. <laughs> Seriously, but congratulations. It's an amazing award. And, and I think it's fantastic that you guys have won this because it means that if you can do it, other businesses can follow in your wake and do, try to do the same thing. Absolutely. And I mean, that's part of what we set out to do. I mean, ultimately, we wanted to become advocates for sustainability and to go out and help others and educate people in it. And Really, that's what we can now do. And we try to do that with our partners and our supply chain to make sure that they need to understand what we're trying to achieve as an end goal when we're delivering projects. And they need to live up to the same standards as us. So they may not want to go out and get all of the credentials and awards and things, but they need to act in the same way as we do. And we need to be able to trust them to do that. So that's definitely something that we've done over, over the last few years in particular. Fantastic. Congratulations again. Um, now we're at the part of the show we call the past, present and future. Now, what this means is that I'm going to ask you three questions about your business past, your business present and your future. And if we get this right, if we get this right, the answers will give us a unique insight into the mind of game changer Samantha Rowe. Are you game? Okay, I'm game. Fantastic. Okay, look, um, I want you to just relax, put your feet up, uh, close your eyes, and imagine you can hear a clock ticking in the background. That's the sound of time passing by second after second. Imagine yourself traveling back in time to meet the young Sam Rowe just starting out on her game-changing journey. What one thing would you tell Sam to make sure she does, and what one thing would you tell her to make sure she never does? So, gosh, that's a big question. <laughs> so I would, um, so something I've definitely learned over the years, uh, whether that's in business or in, in personal decisions I made, is to always go with my gut feel for things. And that is something that I've tried to pass on to people um, in our business over the years as well. You, you may need to make a big decision and you've sort of got your head telling you, you know, you should do this. This is the right thing to do. This is what other people do. This is what the company should do. But then you have a little niggle. It's either something in your mind or something in your stomach that's telling you to do something different. I would always tell myself to do that thing that I was feeling inside rather than what my head was telling me to do. When I do that now, I make the right decisions every time. And I think that's just something that you you learn as a business person, you know, as you go through your career, you, you get to understand yourself better as well. And you learn from decisions that you've made that weren't so good and ones that you've made that were brilliant. Do you think that that's a, a quality or a skill or an element of yourself that you develop because of your growth in confidence? Because the more confident you are in yourself, the more likely you are to listen to that small voice that just whispers in your ear. Yes, absolutely. I think so. And also experience, just years of doing that. You know, once you've done it once, sometimes you might feel like you're taking a bit of a risk because, you know, somebody else did it in a different way. But actually, you learn that that's okay. And that's why we've become so successful. So the confidence of, of years of experience and then the confidence of being a successful business has certainly helped me be able to do that on a regular basis now. Hmm. See, now I'm thinking to myself that if you rely a lot on instinct, sometimes you can't really explain even to yourself why you think something means a certain thing, which kind of suggests that you're going to have to be really comfortable with uncertainty then because you're never entirely 100% sure why you think or feel what you do. Are you comfortable with uncertainty? I've certainly become more comfortable with uncertainty. Yeah, that's for sure. And actually, I think it's things like, you know, when you're interviewing people or, um, you know, just meeting people, you get a feel for things. And when you've done it so many times, I think you become more confident at taking a risk and knowing that actually, if it doesn't work out, that doesn't matter. You know, we're not the kind of people that are, uh, are scared to stop something if we feel it's going on the wrong path or say, do you know what, actually, that was the wrong decision. Let's stop and start again. So I think when you know you can do that, you know, you don't have to make a decision forever. You can make a decision based on how you feel about something, 
based on your experience and your knowledge and you hope that that's the right thing to do at that point in time you know and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out and we just start again i suppose the truth is we don't always make the right decision but we can make our decisions right further down the line yeah, absolutely absolutely there's you know people fail as as we all know people fail many times at things sometimes before they have any success and that's part of learning and growing um, as a person and as an organization and we don't always get it right we, we try and we think we do most of the time but we don't always get it right hmm. here's a question for you sam if you could have one superpower in the world any superpower what would you have well right now i can say for sure that my superpower would be able to see the future aha <laughs> uh-huh. and we're going back to that question of uncertainty aren't we yeah absolutely i mean specifically for our industry of live events at the moment um just with this uncertainty and just not knowing what's happening you know people are asking me all the time what do i think is going to happen with the live event industry next year when are things going to pick up well things are starting to pick up in in the uk and some other countries which is a great thing it would just be great to know sometimes when you live in such times of uncertainty what might be around the corner i understand and i completely feel feel exactly the way you do as well but i also believe that people like you and claire it doesn't really matter what happens you'll always find a way of making things work yeah absolutely and it's what we've had to do now so given that there are very few live events going on in the world we've absolutely had to transform our business into far more of a digital agency so in terms of delivering events now the majority 99% of what we're delivering right now is virtual and that has been a huge challenge for us as a company for the people in the business people have had to take on new skills learn things basically overnight to be able to still deliver projects that we would have been delivering all over the world in a live environment digitally um and you know we've had amazing positive feedback from our clients for what we've been able to do for them in such a short time to still allow them to have presence at some of these huge exhibitions um but it's definitely been a massive learning curve for us and we're still learning and there is a wealth of things that you could do out there in the virtual world um so we are pivoting the business in that sense to make sure that we are ready for more and more digital virtual events as they happen but we are also still there ready to pick up uh, live events when they come back on the scene hopefully at the beginning of next year i guess when uh, when you feel a great big wind blowing in your face you can either build a wall or you can start working out how to build windmills huh yeah absolutely sink or swim right that, i mean that is what is happening to a lot of people in our industry at the moment and it takes a lot you know we've got some amazing people in our team and it is a huge amount of effort and dedication to suddenly change the business change the way we do things change the people we work with change you know learn new skills Uh, it's been huge and i am so immensely proud of what everybody has done to pull together and that's all about that collaborative spirit that we have you know like you say when the wind blows we really do get a great big windbreaker out there and we charge forward with it and we will make things happen we will make sure we can deliver for our clients we will make sure we can keep our employees in the company and we will do everything we can to ensure the long-term sustainability of the business. I suspect uh, if anybody can do it, I'm pretty sure you can stand. That's the that's the past taken care of. Let's go into the present, into the here and now. When things go wrong or when things don't go as right as they should, how do you handle failure? Um well, I guess it's a, a, you know linked to what we were talking about just now. I mean failure for me, you know, <laughs> nobody wants to fail at things but i think it's part of life and i think it's part of learning and again you have to try things sometimes that you might not have a huge amount of certainty that will work but if you want to make a difference and you want to have a company that is different from others then you have to be prepared to take risks um and sometimes things don't work out but we as a business and me as an individual will always make sure we learn as much as we can from those failures or those mistakes or those decisions that weren't quite right 
and make sure that it doesn't happen again. Good idea. I know that um, uh, one company that I worked in, we used to have meetings where this was one of my crazy ideas, where we would talk about things that we tried and that didn't work. And then we asked the question, what did I learn from it? And then we explain what we've learned from that experience and what we're going to do moving forward. And that actually worked really well. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's how people develop. That's how businesses develop. And you know, then you can call on other people within your teams. You know, when you're thinking about doing something, you can ask, has that done before? You know, what happened when it was done before? What did we learn? What would you do differently? So I think that is just building knowledge within a business. Well, you've handled the past and the present with infinite ease, and I kind of knew you would. So let's move forward into the future. Let's move forward 10 years. And imagine that we're still mates and you're still taking my call. What will you be doing in 10 years' time, Sam? So we will still have the business and we will have grown that business to a certain size. We don't... um, we don't plan to do anything with the business um, to, to sell it or anything like that. We want to remain this independent business that is a great home for people where they can achieve their goals. Um, we would like to have um, a handful more of clients. Uh, there are some specific clients that we'd like to work with that we'd like to get on our books. That's what we're working to right now. Um, and perhaps maybe I would be working a little bit more part-time than full-time. <laughs> here, here. I think that's a goal that we should all be trying to achieve as well. Um, I've got thousands and thousands of questions still to ask you, but I've got a light flashing on my screen saying that we've gone way past our allocated time. But before we do say goodbye, um, is there anybody out there you'd like to say hello to, Sam? Well, I'd just like to say hello to the whole of our team, um, we are obviously in a hugely challenging period right now, and I just can't thank them all enough for everything they're doing to adapt to our new ways of working, to be flexible in what we're asking people to do, to put in the huge amount of hours that they're having to do and work around all the challenges that the current COVID situation gives them, you know, the, the childcare things, the homeschooling that people had to do over the summer, as well as trying to do a job. So, I just want to thank them all. And I feel, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel now, and that may well be a way off, but we are working towards getting our business back to doing what we do best. So um, getting out there on the road and delivering some big live events for our clients. What a fantastic note to end the interview on. Um, There is light at the end of the tunnel. Sam, it's been an amazing experience getting to spend some time with you on Kids' Friday Game Changers. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your wisdom. Thank you, Kizzy. Well, the time I spent with Sam Rowe has taught me that corporate social responsibility isn't a particular program. Who knew that? I didn't. It's what we do every day, maximizing positive impact and minimizing negative impact. And just by talking to Sam, I figured out that when the wind blows, there are those build huge walls, and then there are people like Sam who build windmills. This is the lesson that game changers like Sam Rowe are teaching us every single day. Listen, learn, and innovate. Playing us out is Dirty Snowman Society, and this track's called Taste of Heaven. See you next week.
Love this game-changing interview? Share your thoughts by posting a comment. Sharing is caring. I'm Brian Stolley, founding partner of Wildcat Venture Partners, and my Fridays wouldn't be the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Bring me to my knees, destroy my chances for salvation. Get all the demons left to bring me down. Game Changer Show, Game Changer Show, Game Changer Show.